Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host, producer, and sports writer for the LSJ. Joining me, as always, two men who represent the Tyson Walker to Marcus Bingham alley-oop of the Spartan Speak podcast. It's Lansing State Journal sports columnist Graham Couch and Detroit Free Press beat writer Chris Solari. Gentlemen, I'm sorry to report to you guys that I am back after a two-week absence, and the reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. How are you? We're, we're better know. with you here. I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know though. It's you know how how exaggerated are they? I mean, I can barely see you. You're in a haze of light there. So yeah, sorry. How, how do we know that this isn't just your ghostly spirit leading us? This is this is a hologram, a pre-recorded fill that I've just put on the screen, just uh, automated to guess what you guys are going to talk about every week. So I, I'm waiting for for Tupac and Biggie to come right next to you and. Kind of drop some some verses, the three of your holograms together. <laughs> Michael Jackson is looming in the background. Also, don't let's not forget him. Graham, how are you this afternoon? I'm well. I'm well. You know, apparently this is Thanksgiving week. I'm kind of like Mel Tucker, and uh, I don't know. Like in the sports world, holidays just kind of get in the way. Oh, you know? I was gonna say, are you waiting to sign a ten year, ninety five million dollar contract extension? Is <laughs> how you're like Mel no, Tucker? That, that is that is not in the cards. But <laughs> I'm just saying, in, in the sports world, holidays sort of just you know they're nuisances more than anything else right i mean there's not not fewer games this week there's more games there's not no you know yeah uh, we had our we had our work meeting this afternoon and we were just listing off everything we're do- covering sports wise this week and it's just like an incredibly lengthy list from thursday to saturday and it's just like yeah there's no no rest for the sports guys on on thanksgiving weekend so but yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm actually signing a uh, ten turkey and ninety five million uh, sweet corn kernel uh, contract here in a couple hours. So yeah, um, yeah. There's a multiplate deal for macaroni and cheese on 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 my contract offer. So right, yeah, that's I get that. that's a uh, that's a rider. There's a rider in there. <laughs> exactly. Well, since we are recording on Wednesday afternoon this week, a little later than we kind of anticipated, but uh, the aforementioned sports busyness kind of gets in the way of things sometimes here so we apologize that we're a little late here this week but also this is something for everyone to listen to as they hit the road wednesday night or thursday morning whenever you're listening to this as as thanksgiving is just around the corner and uh speaking of giving the michigan state basketball team is giving us three games over the course of this thanksgiving holiday weekend starting wednesday afternoon when they played loyola chicago and they won that game just a few hours ago 63 61 that game ended on the aforementioned alley-oop from tyson walker to uh, Marcus being totally froze and forgot his name momentarily. Awesome. You can see where my mind's at uh, holiday-wise. But, uh, yeah, uh, this was uh, not the best game we have ever seen in the history of Michigan State basketball, but the Spartans do pull out the win. Chris, I know that uh, I think you were uh, not didn't, – didn't feel like you saw a lot of great basketball there this afternoon. No, it was ugly. Um, there, there were spurts of it. 
Um, and and I think you got to give Drew Valentine's team credit because they've forced them to play ugly. But Michigan State turned them. I mean, speaking of giving things away at Thanksgiving, that's one of the Izzo's great lines uh, after the game uh, that it is Thanksgiving and they were giving the ball away 20 times. And there was one segment where they gave it up nine times in 10 possessions. I mean, that you know that ultimately wasn't necessarily what got uh, Loyola back into the game. Because Loyola didn't, I don't think, did a great job capitalizing on on those turnovers really all that that much, um, particularly in that segment where they really could have put put it on Michigan State. And I don't think their lead got bigger than nine. Um, but you got to give Michigan State credit for kind of reining them in in the the back part of the second half after they came out and turned it over three times early. They only they only turned it over once in the last ten minutes and. I think none in the last five. So then uh, it was necessary because otherwise, um, you know, Loyola was was doing some work inside. They were attacking, and uh, you know, I, I bet you, Graham, if, if Drew Valentine looked at this box score, he would have thought his team won the game. Yeah, I mean, there were things about it that you know, for Michigan State, should have added up to a loss, and things that definitely explain why they won. You know, I mean. The, the turnovers are getting ridiculous, and and the point guards, you, you know, AJ Hogard's not a freshman, um, and I know, you know, and Tyson Walker's a guy who's a seasoned dude. Like, you, you can't have nine turnovers from your point guard position, and and they they've got to sort of they've got to figure that out. And uh, you know, I I think that um, you know there are other things though. And I, and I think Walker is, is just a better player in the half court, and that's really playing itself out. And you see it in the final possession. And there are things Hogard does well, but, you know, he really struggled against some of the traps and zones Loyola threw at him. And then, you know, the the, the big things today, though, for me were the, the Malik Hall, to me, you know, two years ago, Chris, we would see these this dazzling array of moves, but we would see everything once, right? He yeah. never did anything twice. It's like, well, that's in his game. I didn't know that. And then you never saw it again all season. And today he started to put it together. You see the ball handling to create for himself, which is impressive. The ability to finish with contact. Obviously, nine for nine is not going to happen. You can't count on that most games. But there are elements that we saw in terms of him, his confidence and aggression and abilities that make it very clear that he can be a important piece for them offensively. I mean, he's their best offensive player today. And I, and I, I think that is... Uh, something they, they need to start expecting from him. I think the power forward positions become very clear as Joey Hauser consider, continues to struggle. Not that you give up on him, but this is not... I think the, those two positions, Chris, to me, came into the season as true platoons, right? It was Walker and Hogard and, and Hauser and Hall. And I don't think you can treat them that way anymore until, unless Hogard begins to do something that's, that Walker's not, which might just be as simple as not turning the ball over. And and unless Hauser, you know, just finds a different a different gear and hits shots, and, and and I mean Hall is just a much better player than he is right now. So I think those two things are sort of playing themselves out, and then Bingham continues to be a force, and that that's a big deal. Yeah, and it is basically went with an eight guy rotation today. Um, you know, Marble had nine minutes, Sissoko had two, but the other guys had fifteen plus. Um, and I think one of yeah. the sneaky plays in this game that. You know, I think both – I think, first of all, I think Gabe Brown, uh, in his limited minutes with foul trouble, those three threes that he hit early in the second half was a was an absolute boost to this team. 
um, every bit as much as the the job Bingham did and and that that uh, Malik Hall did. But a sneaky play that I don't think people are going to give enough credit to was that block by Jay Nakins that got them out and running. That was yeah. kind of an energy play that I, I first of all I don't know where he came from, uh, but that was an energy athletic play that shows that that kid is is at a different level defensively and i think we're seeing this this you know this group that he's got um you know i, I think hall um is clearly a better defender right now than than joey hauser i mean joey hauser's had struggles on that end and i think from that from that perspective alone you know and if he's not hitting his shots then then he's a liability at that point. And, and he's turning the ball over too. He had a couple of sort of yeah, some predictable turnovers. Yeah. When he starts handling the ball too, it's just, you know, he's got to, he's got to find his place in his role. And I still think he can be an important player for the team. Uh, you know, but it, it's gotta be, he's got to play within himself a little more. And, and I, he struggles and, and teams are only going to get more athletic. Like, you know, Hall did have a favorable athletic matchup today. I mean, Loyola is a gritty team. They got really good guards. They've got, they've got some good players. Um, they but, made the game the style that they wanted, and I think Drew Valentine did a good job switching in and out of that three-two zone and yep. bringing some three-quarter court pressure at times and, and keeping them off balance quite a bit because they couldn't get into a rhythm. The other thing that, and, and I think this is an important win because it's, you know, you win one of the you, you, the Auburn UConn game, you know, that's going to be a, a chore for both those teams, and and um, and I think that. Or, you know, or the sorry for Michigan State. You know, the either opponent was going to be a chore for Michigan State. So to get a win, I think is important. I think it, it, it you didn't play great, but you got some some things you can build on, and you get the W out of it. And 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 what's going to be a quality win all season? That Loyola win is going to be a quality win more so than yeah. the Butler win. I mean, the Butler game is a true road game, but I think that Loyola neutral site game will will pay dividends down the road and be and be a win that that that, that helps them. Yeah, both of these teams, this both UConn and, and Auburn, as they're entering the final minute of this game, I mean, they are so athletic and they're so quick defensively and they're pressing you all over the place and they're pressing each other right now. I don't know how Michigan State's guards will handle it. Well, it's time to see that, right? It's time to see what Michigan State is a little bit. Absolutely. They've got a number of different types of challenges and this is this is a this is a uh, this is this will be uh, will be a new one. Yeah, I uh, I think Tom is need to take some notes from Mel Tucker on how to handle the transfer portal. I mean, we're year two into Joey Hauser, and uh, he's just not very good. I don't know how I don't know how to say. I know he was injured coming into today's game, but I think we have en- enough tape on that. And, and and Walker's been okay in spots, but he has not necessarily made the instant impact I think a lot of people were kind of hoping for at at the point guard position. Define not very good. Is is he not good up to your expectations, or is he not good? Or, I mean, he had six rebounds in the game, so it's not like he's not doing things out there. He's just not hitting his shots, and he's struggling on the defensive side. If you get him hitting his shots, all different kind of thing. If you get the the shooting, the scoring, and the rebounding that we've seen at times from him, and, and the guy, he's still a guy who was averaging a double double six non conference games last year. It's finding that guy again. I agree with Graham. You can't give up on him. He's shown it. He's shown it that that he has it in him. It's about finding the consistency and the confidence to do it. This is a guy we were talking about as if he had been able, been eligible to play immediately upon transfer, like the missing piece for a team uh, two years ago. And we're just not and the guy who could you know skip town after a year for the NBA draft. That's a guy that he, you guys were ta- you you guys were talking about 
the him being that type of person. Part where you said p- missing piece. It's based on the guys that were around him with Tillman and and Cassius Winston and that group. That there's a difference between being a piece and being a star, like a lot of people think he might be or thought right. he might. And, and, and I'm with you. I mean, there's no question the hyperbole was overdone. There's no question that Izzo is partly responsible for that. I mean, the, the media day talk from Izzo was, and he's usually not off as badly as he was with 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 Hauser and what Hauser would would bring. I do believe Hauser was a better fit for that team two years ago, and he's just lost confidence. And you know, you've seen that over time from players in, in the history of MSU basketball. You saw it with Chris Hill years ago. You've seen it. You know, guys who go from being you know productive players to it becomes a it's something upstairs. Right now, Malik Call is a much better player. That, that there's no question. They they know that they found their four man. If he, he played 32 minutes today, I think Hauser played close to 14. That's going to be what it is unless Hauser uh, plays a lot better. Walker, I completely disagree with you. And there are a couple other people on Twitter who hit me up who don't love Walker's game and and apologize for the dog barking. That's our lovely neighbor's dog Hickama, who's a sweetheart, but she does not like, doesn't like those people on Twitter either. Yeah, and well, she doesn't like other dogs, and this is a very dog-heavy neighborhood, so <laughs> she loves people. So um, is Twitter. Yeah, right. So, so um, anyway, the but I, I think Walker is a guy who you know obviously he hit some shots today. He he made that play at the end in, in half court. He just he, he the turnovers have been a little puzzling because I think he's a guy who can take care of you. I think he's going to be a really really a good point guard for them, and and is, is essential. Uh, to their season, and, he, and they were they were plus eight with him on the floor today, and and uh, with Hogard they were they were minus six, and the, the plus minuses, you know, I wrote this in the quick takes can be overdone. Uh, for example, Bingham was a minus six today, and Bingham was very much a plus player when he was on the court, oh, right? Yeah. That's that's not even, but at the point guard position, it's a more fair measurement usually, and because you you control more, and you make the people around you better or not, so it's not just about who you have on the court with you, you determine who's on the court with you and how they play. Um, but, uh, I, I, I disagree with you on Walker, but I, I'm, I'm with you on Hauser right now. He's not playing very well. And there's just no question about it. There were a lot of interesting lineups too. I mean, there was a lot, there was one time when, when Izzo used Walker, Hogard and Akins with Hall and Hauser, uh, Hauser ended up with 17 minutes. So the only way you can do that with him and Hall is having them on the court together. And, you know, that, that group did okay together i mean you know i don't know how much of it was just based on on uh the size factor because i know that that uh valentine likes to use with loyola sometimes a smaller lineup so that there is some versatility there and there's this is a growing moment for michigan state no question is i mean it's this is the kind of tournament with three games in three days that you're going to find out a lot about yourself about the guys on your team and you know the the opponents that that you're going to face, and we're about to figure out who it's going to be in a second here. Um, it looks like it's going to be, well, it's going to overtime. <laughs> so that'll help Michigan State. You'd think, you know, you 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 get to face a team that's coming out of overtime. So, yeah, that's, this is a wild ending in this game too. This is a wild tournament right now. It's a good it's a good field. It's a great yeah. field for Michigan State. I think. We will learn over, and I don't want to talk too much about the thing that stinks. Is like I want people to be able to enjoy this podcast over the Thanksgiving break, and the second half of this obviously football here, which has a little more leg time. Tournaments like this are very unfriendly to podcasts because the, the story <laughs> changes at noon on Thursday. It's really inconsiderate, to be frank. Um, 
and uh, I'm not happy about it. Yep. Well, but at the same point, I think regardless of who Michigan State plays, uh, Izzo's going to see a lot of things. And I think he saw a lot of things in Wednesday's game out of out of the thing, the guys, particularly the veterans. You know, when you're talking about Bingham, when you're talking about Brown, when you're talking about Hall, those are three guys that have have the challenge on them right now to to produce. And yeah. you know, we've we gone into this season and then we went into the first few games asking who's going to be the guy who's going to be the guy that's going to take the shot when you need it who's going to be the guy and all of that and Tyson Walker going into the basket to set up one of those guys is is your best moment so is it going to be Walker taking the shot or or distributing I think that makes you a versatile threat because you know he can kick that to Brown for a three if they need to he can do the lob to Bingham. He can go cross-block cross, cross block pass to Hall. There's a lot of options there if you've got a point guard who can do that. And this is a tournament that you're going to be able to see just how much. And, and I think also it helps Walker get into the flow with what Izzo wants from him in running three straight days of high-level competition, uh, You know, win or lose, regardless of who they play. They're going to play some good teams here uh, in, in the last two days. Uh, without question. So it, it helps integrate him a little bit more before Louisville next week and then before the Big Ten starts. Yeah, I just want to say real quick, you, if you guys said this earlier, I apologize. Marcus Bingham, seven blocks today and, you know, really channeling his inner Chet Holmgren in there. He, he can do that every game, I feel like, if he can stay out of foul trouble and, and uh, you know, and, and get the playing time on the court. He can be that kind of factor blocking shots. And the one thing I, I want to say before we jump to football here about Bingham is I know a lot of people are frustrated with the substitution early. And I, I'm somebody who thinks there have been times where uh, Izzo has not um, held on to, you know, has not let his starters play through a hot start, um, you know, because he's got a predetermined rotation and guys come in. And sometimes you need to, if the other team can't catch his breath, let that go a little bit. But this wasn't like one of those blitz, you know, offensive starts. This was more of a defensive deal and and you know Loyola didn't score till the 1352 mark anyway and that was with a number of different people on the floor and with Bingham you know he he can't do more than 3 or 4 minute stretches playing like that and you have to realize that so if you want that level of Marcus Bingham he's going to come out at 16 and a half minutes or no later than that in every single game particularly when you have 3 games in 3 days so that is you know, there. You know, I think you had written about this in your quick takes about the the quick hook with some of the guys. You got to think big picture here with this. You got to think that you got to play again in less than twenty four hours by the time you get off the court. And that doesn't and mean you against know. a high level opponent that you you know win or lose. They knew they were going to get a team that's going to press them, so they need to have guys fresh. I thought it was interesting more than anything that Izzo gave the guys the number of minutes that he did give them. Quite honestly. I mean, it, you know, to only go basically eight deep and, and, and really, you know, no, you know, Marble and Sissoko were the only two guys who didn't play a lot. You're probably going to, particularly come being coming off 24 minutes, you're probably going to need to rely on those two guys against either Auburn or UConn. Um, just simply, you know, how much is Marcus Bingham going to be able to give on back to backs? Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, they played their entire eight man rotation in the first uh, six minutes. He's getting everybody in there, get everybody's feet wet, get going on that. And, and there's no question as, as time goes, you have to adjust that. Like th they got worse when Tyson Walker left the game. Well, you know, maybe Walker is a guy who plays into the 14 minute realm from now on instead of the 16, but you know, they should, they absolutely should evaluate that. 
Um, but you know, I mean, it's, I think they're still trying to figure out what's what, like Malik Hall made things very clear for right now, uh, today, but that you didn't have that clarity to this extent, uh, before this game. The other thing about Malik Hall, he also didn't turn the ball over and he wasn't in foul trouble, which again, Walker, I mean, we're going to argue is a strategy forever probably, but his thought is you, you, I'd rather have those three fouls in the, to give in the second half rather than having a guy hit with three fouls in the first half. That's a philosophy thing. There's nothing. I mean, that's, I don't necessarily discount that philosophy. I think there are moments where you have to go back to some guys, but I, I you know, both of them were turning the ball over. So I'm not necessarily sure what would have been the, the, the call there um, just to put them back in. All right, we're going to have plenty of time to watch and talk about Michigan State as they'll play two more games this week uh, on Thursday and Friday. Well, let's move to football here where the Michigan State football team will play Penn State in the regular season finale Saturday. They are coming off a, as everybody knows who's listening to this, a very tough and humbling 56-7 loss to Ohio State last week in what was a top-10 showdown. What I kind of find interesting about this game is that last week the talk was Mel Tucker and his you know 10-year, $95 million dollar contract extension and this week uh it is the same number except for the opposing coach which is the rumor that i believe it's around i don't think it's official yet the contract offer the extension that james franklin is getting at penn state so be it's just kind of interesting contrast of uh, two very highly paid big 10 coaches here and then you factor that in where there's another conference the sec where dan mullen gets fired at florida so you know a lot a lot a lot, <laughs> a, lot a lot of coaching stuff to talk about i guess this week but uh uh but on the michigan state side a lot of injuries, and I think they're even worse off now than they were last week. So what do you guys kind of see in terms of how that's going to affect things this weekend? Oh, dramatically. I mean, you know, partly we don't know who is out and how badly they're banged up. I mean, a lot of those guys like Jaden Reed, um, Quaveras Crouch, and Kenneth Walker, and Xavier Henderson all basically sat the entire second half. How much of that with a 49-point deficit was – based on keeping them healthy for a game that's going to be pretty much to get you to a New Year's Six Bowl, how much of it was legitimacy and severity of the injuries. I mean, remember, we. I'm not trying to read too much into the Jaden Reed wearing a boot, just simply because I, I remember coming early in the year when, when uh, Anthony Russo came off uh, the Youngstown State game wearing a boot as well and was – back and going through stuff the next week. I, I think that's kind of right now with foot injuries or ankle injuries, a precautionary thing. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to be out either. The way that Trey Mosley was talking, it you know, I don't know whether he was talking about pl- having to step up with Reed out last week or uh, how much they're going to need to play without him and Naylor this week. Naylor was in practice, at least uh, via their own videos that, that I spotted him in. Uh, does that mean he was practicing or just working out with pads? I don't know. We don't know. Walker, I mean, you know, how much of that with Walker was the injury? How much of that was being down big and not ha- wanting to run the ball? We're just not going to know until this this game kicks off. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're in a bit of trouble here. Um, I think it's be low. They need it to be low scoring. I don't. You know, it's not the. I mean, we we just seen how much top receivers matter. You know, and you can say, oh, it's next man up, but. The other line is, and Tucker will use this all the time too, is the guys who are on the field matter. Right? It matters who's playing yep. the game. And, you know, who Michigan State was at its healthiest and best 
was a was a pretty potent offense this year, and and they're just not anywhere near that right now. And they, you know, they're down a guy in the offensive line. They're at left tackle. They're down at, um, you know, maybe both top receivers. Their their star running back isn't that healthy. Still and, banged uh, up at cornerback. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think this is going to be a chore to win. I'm certainly not going to pick them to win this game. And and this is a to me comes down to a coaching game. You got to pull some stops out because the opportunity is is mighty. Like the thing is, because of where they are in the college football rankings, if they win this game, they're, they're almost assured a New Year's Six bowl game. Yeah, and that that's an opportunity. Like I didn't know how far they were going to fall after the Ohio State game, and when that only fell to twelve, that was a big deal. They win this game, they're going to the Peach Bowl or the or the Fiesta Bowl probably. And and that's that would be in a ten and two year going to one of those and in those games, you know, you give it you give Kenneth Walker and, and, and I don't know what Walker will decide come a bowl game, but you're in a New Year's six game, you're a lot less likely to play, especially a place like MSU to skip that game probably. And you know, you look at because I mean people can say, well, once it's not a national championship, well, why not skip this game? And why not skip last week? Why not, why not just skip as soon as you had the, your – I mean, at what point is, is there no point? In, I mean, it, as soon as you were a, a first, you know, a high draft pick likely based on what you'd proven, then sit out if you're just going to skip the bowl game. So I don't understand that philosophy entirely. But you're likely to have Naylor back and Reed back a month from now. And you're likely to have a chance to – be an offense that can compete a little bit. Your your defense is going to find some health probably in there. So if you can get to that game, I don't think they'll be embarrassed in it, and I think they'll be okay. Um, the the other thing, I don't think they'll fall below the outback unless this is. I mean, you just look at the teams out there, and um, you know who's going to be in the New Year's Six and where the you know I I think they're going to go to a New Year's Day bowl game, but still, there's a there's a difference between a New Year's Six and an outback bowl, and and if you're Michigan yeah. State, you want to find a way to get into it, and you know. I know Flea Flicker's part of the playbook. Maybe you run 17 of them. I don't know. See what happens. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, you're right, though. I mean, Ed, you know, I, I think the two Florida games had the season not progressed the way they did. It did to get into the, that contention for a Big Ten title and and whispers of a national championship run or a CFP run. Um, you know that it it may feel like a letdown, but it's still a pretty significant thing. But if you get the CFP. I mean, now you know, or get the New Year's Six game. That's, I mean, from a perception standpoint, that's that's a selling point for Mel Tucker. Look what we did with minimal yep. depth, and when guys started getting banged up, we still fought through it. Uh, that's that's a heck of a recruiting pitch to kids. Um, and I, I, you know, that puts that you can say, you know, we finished in the top ten to twelve of the CFP, and we're this close. Come help us. So. That's that's to me where it's it's kind of a big deal um, moving forward to to get the best quality bowl game. Um, you know, again, if this if, if people but here's the thing, if in August you were said, okay, you have a chance to go to the Outback or Citrus Bowl, every Michigan State oh, fan would have jumped on that absolutely. without a question. I mean, some people didn't think they were going to get a bowl bid, and six games in, they had a bowl bid. I mean, it's. You know, to me, it was it was always a season of unknowns because we hadn't really seen a lot of this team, and they've proven a lot of different things. Now, again, I'm with you though. We don't know what Walker's thing is. I mean, he came to Michigan State as a business decision. What would be the business decision there? I mean, let's face it that's that's part of the business, and that was one thing that I wanted to ask Mel Tucker on Thursday or on Monday 
Um, if he had started having those conversations with guys, whether it be the underclassmen or the veterans who may say, I don't want to get injured in a bowl game if we're not playing for a national championship. Getting to a CFP game, I think, is the difference. Maybe, or excuse me, a New Year's Six game. You get a New Year's Six game, that could be a difference from some of those guys saying, we're going to sit out like Justin Lane did a couple years ago with the Red Box Bowl versus we want to enhance, we want to have one more show out for scouts to prove that we should be drafted. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation because it's, it's still relatively new, the sitting out of bowls. And we saw the Kenny Willickis broken leg at the Red Box Bowl and yep. forced him to come back another year. And look, it's worked out for him in the NFL, but it did change his change his future. I don't, I don't fault guys for it. But, you know, Michigan State's not playing for anything this week in terms of uh, national championship or Big Ten, too. Like, at what point is what, – what, what makes the bowl game different than now other than there's a Heisman Trophy? I guess you're still uh, – but – and, and if you you sat out now, you're probably not even on the stage. Right. But for most players, in other words, if you don't play now, if you're playing this week, play in the bowl game. If you're not going to play in the bowl game, don't play this week. I mean, there's no difference, really, other than it's it sort of become precedent, and it's later. But it's not different you, 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 in terms of, you know, that bowl game then becomes on the schedule. It becomes a, a, a big deal for, you know, um, and, and – I do think MSU fans, though, will accept, you know, if they finish one and three this month, it's not the greatest finish. But if they're playing in the Outback Bowl in Tampa on New Year's Day, I think people will be, they're ready to travel. I think people will travel to that. They'll be excited. It'll be a decent SEC opponent. Um, and they'll have a chance to show out and I think perform okay and, and, and build off of that. And and I would be very surprised if Naylor and Reed don't play. Um, and... Um, you know, because I, what Michigan State, other than Walker, doesn't have is guys whose draft stocks are really settled, right? I mean, right. I think everybody else on that roster, even uh, Jaden Reed, can can sort of take another step with a big game and sort of, oh, that's interesting, you know. Um, and, and, you know, I would – I don't know what Plaxico Burress would have been selected in, in the 2000 draft without 13 catches for 183 yards against Florida – but I know he dominated the Florida Gators, and nobody on that team had a chance against him. And then he was like the seventh or eighth overall pick. Not saying it wouldn't have been that high anyway, but he didn't hurt himself. And so there's still room in a bowl game, too, and a good showing for, for players to, to, to actually, I think, do things that, that elevate themselves to a degree as well. Yeah, and I think the, the bigger the game, the bigger the stage, the more eyeballs, the more it means to these guys. Um, and I, the one thing I don't maybe agree with you on is the why sit out now because i do think that that scouts do look at that during a season now if you're injured to one is thing the, if you is don't the bowl game it, not a season is the bowl game i mean i know it's not on the schedule oh, it's a month after the season ends yeah i mean i think that separation you know, if you're not playing it's it's you know it, it's it's the equivalent of taking the detroit lions after the season and saying well you played in the nfl so we're going to give you one more game right. that has nothing to do with with winning a super bowl you know, I mean, unless you're in the CFP and this is right or wrong, that's how things are. Right. No, um, you know, I mean, you, you've got a decision to make. Do you want to be Kenny Willickis in the Red Box Bowl getting hurt? Or do you want to be Justin Lane sitting it out and being a second round pick? Yeah, no. And, 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 and I understand you're trying to finish the regular season at a certain. I mean, this is the last week that's judged on rankings. It's uh, yeah, th- there's just a lot. lot um, the bigger the game, though, matters, I think, for these guys, though, because. There's no question that scouts are going to watch that. 
let me ask you this, and, and this is something I should have looked up, and I meant to ask earlier this week. What is the um, the comp- the deal with like the student tickets? Do those count this week? Believe they do. So, I mean, the students are obviously home for Christmas break. Some will come back. I think though, or Thanksgiving break. I mean, I, I think Mel Tucker is sort of has this. Somebody needs to get to him and explain to him the history of this game and the fans yeah. because he's gonna. I mean, I'm telling you, he is not going to be happy, and he hasn't signed that extension yet. And this crowd is. I'm not saying there. There have been times in Michigan State history where we have seen the fan base rally around a game that wasn't necessarily a certain big crowd and show up and look good. And this may be one of those. The team kind of deserves that a little bit. I mean, you put games on Thanksgiving weekend with the students who are away, and you put that you put fourteen thousand of your tickets as students. You, you're you're going to have seven thousand empty seats over there without three thirty on Saturday, cloudy and thirty seven, and it's going to get chilly by the evening yep. when, it, when it gets when it gets that second half. And um, you know that said, this is this is a, if you're a Michigan State fan and you want to play with the big boys, and you have tickets. There is zero excuse not to have those tickets used. If you're if you're not in town, there are people who will, will use your tickets, you know. And and you know, I, if if you're in town and you don't want to go because it's cold, and you want to watch TV. That's fine. Now, I, people should do what they want to do. And, and we're all moving more towards the uh, games on TV experience being preferred. I think stadium is going to be fewer seats, but it also comes with consequences if you don't look like a big time fan base. Absolutely. And I mean, right or wrong, you're always going to be judged against the teams down south for that. And let's shifting gears back to basketball real quick. Double overtime in, in <laughs> UConn yeah. and Auburn. So you have to look at the best thing that could happen for <laughs> you are, the Kizzo's team right now. You are not getting the, the winner of this game on this podcast. Go to ESPN.com to get that result. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our final segment of every podcast, and that's predictions. I think we kind of know where Graham is leaning already because he already said who he thought was going to win, but because you said that already, Graham, we will start with you. Yeah, I, I think I'm going 21-13 Penn State. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I, I struggle. Michigan, Penn State's defense is for real. I mean, that, that's a really, really good defense. And and I struggle to stay, I think Michigan State's going to struggle to get points. And I think they're going to have to play a smart game just not to have turnovers that really, you know, if they turn the ball over, this could get ugly as well. But I I just, I don't, I'm not saying they can't do it. I just don't, I'm not picturing it right now. And uh, and I've seen Penn State offensively look pretty inept. But, you know, they went through a stretch of the season where they weren't that healthy quarterback and they, they had some things going. They're, they're, they're better shape there. I, 21-13 Penn State. Yeah, you mentioned the defense. They are coming off a shot out of Rutgers a week ago. Yeah. Chris. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I agree. I agree, Chris. <laughs> I, I, it's, we still forget that it's James Franklin, he, regardless of whether or not he got that coaching extension and he's a horrible, well, a nice horrible close game coach. Right. Just look at when, look at when, when, uh, Brian Lewerke went up there and, and all those injuries happened at receiver and they still beat him in happy Valley yep. a few years back. And, the game here with the rain delay that Michigan State beat them. I mean, it's still James Franklin as coach. I, you know, I I, I probably lean more towards Graham that I think it's going to be a real tough sledding day for Michigan State, but it's still James Franklin. So I cannot, in good conscience, knowing how 
poor of a coach he is in some of these games, uh, bet on him on a road uh, in a close environment. So I, I'm going to go Michigan State 23 to 20. Michael Geiger kicks a, or Michael Geiger, Matt Coglin barely healthy, kicks a long field goal that he hurts himself celebrating on the field that he proposed to his girlfriend and and it's going to be a fairy tale story and they're going to go to a new year's six ball uh i love your prediction chris i love the matt coughlin of it all because i was going to say 23 21 michigan state over penn state so and with matt coughlin hitting three field goals and i guess i did wasn't going to include the part about celebrating his engagement too but i guess i guess that works as well all right guys any final thoughts before we sign off here Next time we do one of these, have a good Thanksgiving, obviously. Next time we do one of these, we'll have a lot more information on Michigan State's basketball team because they'll play a couple more games. Uh, We'll have a sense of, you know, where the the football team is. Um, You know, know, it's not the final rankings next week, obviously, because there's conference championship games. But uh, we'll we'll have a good – a real, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of movement, I don't think, after those championship games. Maybe, you know, the ACC will take a spot and whatnot, but that – it it's gonna be a it'll be a telling week, and maybe we'll have an Auburn UConn winner by then too. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at Graham underscore Couch, at Chris Solari, at Phil underscore Friend, and LSJ Greenwhite. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.